0: Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fin's up. Here's Steven, your host. All right. What's up, guys? So for today's preview, we actually have a guest. It is J.C. Allen, who does a reporting of the Buccaneers for a Pewter Report. You guys know I love to get a good look at the other team. No better way to do that than by having somebody here who covers the team. So with that, I want to introduce J.C. Allen. How are you doing today, man?
1: doing great. You know, another good matchup here. It's Florida's own uh, two big teams going out after each other because I think the Jaguars are disowned from Florida right now. Mm-hmm. But uh it should be a good game yeah. this weekend uh, just because these two teams, you know, Miami was the team before Tampa Bay came along and then obviously Jacksonville came along afterwards. So you got the original the original OG Miami versus the Buccaneers. It should be a good matchup.
0: OK, so. The first thing here, I mean, we have two teams kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum, I would say. Like, you have the Buccaneers, of course, reigning Super Bowl champions. There's a ton of good things. They had an emotional win that is coming off of. The Dolphins, on the other hand, I don't know if you're, you know, in Dolphins Twitter, there's a lot of chaos, just disarray. People are freaking out quite a bit over there. So I want to ask, because like, sometimes us as football fans, we may get blinded by this concept of, okay, you have a reigning Super Bowl champion. And, but I watched the Buccaneers last time. They had their moments where they were good. Then they had their moments where they slipped up. And then, of course, towards the tail end of the season, they got it all together. So with this Buccaneers team that you're watching right now, do they look like Super Bowl champions to you? Or are you a little bit hesitant to say that right now? Or how are they just looking overall as a unit? I think they have the potential to be Super Bowl champions.
1: I'm not going to crown them right away right now. I think there's a a ton that they have to work on. Uh, First off is is self inflicting penalties and and drop balls. Um, You know, they have quite a few drop balls. I don't know the exact number right now, but it's up near the top of the league. And as far as penalties, I do know that. They're the 31st ranked team, Uh, second a lot. They have the most penalties. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. the Chargers and then them and the Eagles. So uh penalties have been killing them they have the second most penalty yards second most penalties total it's it's something that they really need to start working on uh I think some schematic things on the defensive side of the ball as well are kind of hindering this team uh we, we saw them finally turn it on uh against the Patriots pressure wise they got four sacks but before that you know you're blitzing the most uh, by far and away 81% compared to 56% mm-hmm. is the next is, is the dolphins actually in second yeah. place blitzing. And, you know, you're only getting home three, three times before this past weekend. So um I think, you know, penalties, some schematic things, obviously injuries play into it, to it a little bit in the cornerback room, but you know, you can't really can't make uh, excuses for injuries. It's next man up. Every team is dealing with it. So I think they have the potential to be, I think the offense, once they start getting going and stop beating, I mean, they have seven false starts. That's yeah. That through four weeks of football, that's, that's really, really bad. Like that's just communication errors right there. And I get it. You know, they're playing on the road for the first time uh, with, with live fans and, you know, uh, LA was, yeah, Yeah. LA was rocking. New England was rocking. So I, I mean, I can, I get it, but at the same time, you guys are professionals. You practice it all week. You can't be going out there and doing it in games. So, um, you know, I, I think they have the ability. To-
0: uh, you mentioned the secondary there where you have, you know, some of the guys banged up. I think Carlton Davis, uh, the most recent player to go on IR, and then you have Richard Sherman being brought into the secondary. So you have some moving parts there as well. And then if you take a look at the Dolphins receivers, you know, uh, Will Fuller just was placed on IR. Jakeem Grant was just traded to the Bears. So what once was kind of a promising group for the Dolphins now has been predominantly just Jalen Waddell and Devontae Parker. So how do you think the Bucks secondary here is going to fare against the Dolphins receiver group? Well,
1: I mean, I think... The, the biggest thing for this Bucks team, as you mentioned, Carlton Davis going on IR, Sean Murphy bunting on IR. Yes, they brought in uh, Richard Sherman, but, you know, this is a guy who went wire to wire, 59 snaps off of three days of practice. He's still not in football shape. He's not going to be in football shape all of a sudden over the weekend, although that was a great test for him. Um, but I also look at the climate for him, too. He played in New England Sunday night. Fifty-eight degrees. It's raining. It's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. You know, you're, if you're in Florida, you know what this weather is going to be like, even now in our, in the beginning of October. Um, so I'm I'm a little bit worried about that cramping uh, conditioning wise. Uh, you know, you look at who else they have there, Pierre Dezier, another guy who was brought up the street, signing the practice squad a few weeks ago before getting bumped up to the active roster on uh, right before the Patriots game on Sunday, they have D Delaney, who uh, is an outside guy and, you know, really hasn't done anything in this league. And then Ross Cockrell, who can play a little bit of both. The problem with, with those guys are, and I think they can hold their own for the most part is none of them possess speed. Right. And I mm-hmm. think, if you don't have Jamel Dean on the field, that's what that's what the Dolphins need to do is they need to take whoever's matched up on them and say, hey, you, you better get off the line, you better get <laughs> off quick. And I know losing will fuller hurts because that's your normal speed guy, but you still got some guys who can move. And I think that's where you'd want to want to uh, target and want to attack. But I uh, know another, another thing they can do, too, and, and something that you've seen more recently is a little dink and dunk game. Um yeah. Devin White has has struggled in coverage so far. Has regressed. Hasn't been at the same level as he was in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. So you, you look for ways to get Mike Kosecki, Miles Gaskin on him, and, and be able to target him underneath. Maybe uh, some of these guys across the middle, like an Albert Wilson or even a Jalen Waddle, um, because Jalen Waddle. You look at what he's been able to do. He's got 200 yards receiving, but 111 of those yards after the catch. Yep. Buccaneers are. Thirty first in the league in yards after catch, so they're letting up yards. You know they're letting up the catching yards, and a lot of that scheme wise design as well too. You know keep everything in front of you. Uh, guys are going to pick up some yards, but still, I mean Jalen Wall is a special player. He can make things happen.
0: Yeah, to get into like this matchup between the Bucks offense and uh, the Dolphins defense, it almost seems like collectively. I mean, I'm sure this is not the case inside of like uh, the Bucks like fan base, but it seems like collectively we just decided that it's normal the amount of weapons. That the Bucks have, and it's not normal at all. They have a ridiculous amount of weapons on that offense, right? So, when teams manage to have success at stopping the amount of weapons that the Bucks have, how do they typically do that? Because I'm looking at these matchups. You know, I don't know if it's going to be Byron Jones on Mike Evans. I don't know if they're going to put Xavier Howard. I just see Byron Jones as more of the the physical guy, whereas you know Xavier Howard's more the technically sound guy. Maybe put him on a B. But then you have Chris Godwin, and then you have two quality running backs, you know, with Fournette and Ronald Jones, like how do teams stop that when it happens?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, the, it's not easy. It takes uh-huh. good game plan and cover a lot of cover too, Uh two safeties deep. Um, you know, you, the, the thing about Miami though, is they have good corners, right? You're going to lock down. One of those corners is going to go on um, Evans. The other one's probably going to go on Godwin and you're going to say, all right, you know, um, Eric Rowe or Justin Coleman, you're drawing Antonio Brown or, you know, I don't know, Eric Rowe get moved to safety or something. He's playing a little bit of both. Same thing with McCordy, right? They're doing a little bit of hybrid cornerback safeties.
0: Uh, yeah. I wouldn't even yeah. be surprised if you see Javon Holland. Uh, he's getting yes. a lot more playing time. Uh-huh.
1: I mean, so I th- I think what you're going to see the Bucks do, and that's part of the problem last week is they didn't have – they only had Antonio Brown on the field for 40 for forty snaps. I mean, they're going 12, uh, 12 package a lot. Uh, they're going to try to get the running game going too against this – this uh, Dolphins rush defense, that's ranked 27th in the league. So they're going to – they're probably going to try to do that to get the run defense, which, you know, might open some things, some shots up. But, uh, you know, this is a game where I think the Bucks win handily. I'm not going to lie. But I think this first quarter is going to kind of skew more towards the Dolphins because you look at what Brady faced last week was a Belichick team. But well, you're looking this week, it's a Belichick disciple. It's Flores. Uh-huh. Flores – and Brady said, you know, today in practice, Thursday in practice, that I've seen – he's seen me 15, 1,500 times at least in practice. You know, he knows what I like. And you look over on the, on the defensive side of the ball, at every level, you've got players that have practiced extensively against Brady. Adam Butler on the defensive line. Atlanta Roberts, one of my guys, uh, he's over there in linebacker, had a pick six already this year. Mm-hmm. Moves to the defensive backfield, and it's, it's – I mean, you name it, Eric Rowe, Justin Coleman – uh, Jason McCourty, there's there's guys all over that team that have got, on that defense specifically that have gone against Brady, who knows his tendencies, knows what he likes to do in certain situations, and you have to think that they're going to have a good solid game plan. I think Brady will probably be able to figure it out a little bit quicker than he did last week. So I think that first quarter might be might be somewhat of a close game. Maybe the Bucks are winning at that point, you know, ten to 14, 7, 10 to seven, uh, going into the second quarter, and then I think the I think the offense just explodes. They just I just, pull away. Yeah, I, I just, the the problem with that too is is the the offense for the Dolphins, right? There, that's one of the and the biggest problems is there this, is
0: no offense as of the, right now, you know.
1: And exactly, and this Miami's defense is gassed by the third mm-hmm. quarter because they've been on the field so much. Um, part of working in Tom Brady's favor or or the Dolphins' favor is Tom Brady, once they get into that no huddle, that rhythm, they're moving the ball down the field. They're not taking long drives. But, you know, again, it, it depends on what the game plan is. So they're trying to establish the run and milk clock and get and, and is that what they're doing or are they go in no huddle? They're fl- zipping the ball all the way around, trying to get the offense back on track through the passing game because it kind of, you know, stumbled a little bit last last week so you know without really knowing the game plan there's really two ways that they could attack this game say okay we got the russian game going last week let's try to continue that and build off that or you know hey it's not raining you know we're in our home stadium let's just go you know bananas and throw it all over the place you know yeah um it might be a little bit tougher to do with those two cornerbacks uh you know in the in the Dolphins' 17th ranks ranked pass defense so
0: now you mentioned that they may look like the Bucks may look to get the running game a little bit more, you know, involved. And they haven't necessarily been running the ball that much at all. I mean, they're 30th in rushing yards, 31st in rushing attempts. Why is it that they've been so reluctant, it appears, to run the ball when they have, you know, you have Leonard Fournette. They have Ronald Jones who showed that he could, you know, bounce back after his rough start initially. Why are they choosing not to run the ball?
1: This is the passing team. I mean, that's that's pretty much what it comes down to. You look at you look, the quarterback you have, the weapons you have, it's a passing team, and, and, you know, you use the running game to supplement that.
0: Now, you mentioned the greatest of all time. I, I feel like I'm obligated to ask. There's that mythical cliff that people are always alluding to, especially on ESPN. It seems like that saying that Tom Brady's eventually going to, you know, get snuck up on by father time. I just have to ask, do you see any sort of instances recently that make you say, yeah, this guy – you know, he might be in his mid forties. Is there any bit of that, or is there just no slowing when it comes to Tom Brady? It's quite
1: the opposite. I've got I've I've convinced myself he can play to lose fifty if he wants. Mm-hmm. Like one of the biggest things I noticed when I went to my first training camp down here, um, after watching him up in New England and 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 practices and in games, is my jaw dropped when I fo- saw his first like real like practice pass because the zip, the velocity he had on it, it was like this guy, this he's he's reinvigorated down. Here.
0: Now, I got to ask, uh, like, have you been salivating right now at the thought of the Dolphins' offensive line? Because you mentioned how the Bucs send the blitzes, how they get the pressure. Who are the guys to really watch right there in the, the Bucks front?
1: Everybody. Vita Vea has just been taking centers on, on trips every single week to their quarterback. You're like, hey, you miss your quarterback? Don't worry. I'll bring you right to him. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Tryon Shoyinka. The best pass rusher out of this draft class. Sorry, Jalen Phillips. I was a huge fan of yours. <laughs> JTS is just an animal. Uh, he's just been amazing throughout the last two games, getting the start with JPP injured. So good against the Rams that they had to, you know, in that first quarter they had to put a tight end and and chip him. Um, and again, this is just a rookie who's still learning how to play. Who didn't play at all last year either. So uh, I think this dude's just going to continue to get better and better. Obviously, Shaq Barrett. Um, had a sack last week. Will Golston, surprisingly, has been an animal as a pass rusher. Ndamukong Kasu, I mean, this whole front seven. JPP, if he's back, uh, they they gotta they're gonna have their hands. full.
0: Uh, is there any sort of uh, expectations you have? Like for every preview I do, I give my expectations. Things that I'm pretty sure you know, just generally are gonna happen whether it's like an individual performance, X player is going to get this many yards, you know, uh, this, you know, unit's going to look good. What are some things that you just expect to happen in this game, whether that's in favor of the Bucs or, you know, in favor of Miami? You
1: know, one thing uh, I wouldn't say expect it, but I'm worried and I'm cautious about it is um, one of the running backs giving up the ball, whether that's Rojo or Leonard Fournette you look at this Dolphins team six forced fumbles to the first four games recovered four of them they've been very good and very well taught of punching that ball out trying to get that ball create turnovers this is a team that's you know um, ranked 13th in the league with a just a zero even even turnover margin but still middle of the league but you, you see what they haven't been able to create as many interceptions um, but you know forced fumbles I mean they're averaging uh, a fumble and a half, a force fumble and a half a game. So uh, mm-hmm. that's really good. And it's something that kind of worries me with Ronald Jones and some of his ball security. Uh, so it, it's not something that I expect to happen, but something that I would not be surprised at all to see Miami come up with one of those linebackers or one of the cornerbacks, because both Jones and Howard both have force fumbles as well uh, to see one of these guys come up with a force fumble at some time in the game, whether they recover it or not. I just think that's something that if you're a Tampa Bay, you're preaching to your guys, ball security, ball security, ball security. Yeah. And you're doing wet ball drills just in case it's raining out. You're doing all sorts of different things. Cause there might be some, you know, we are in Florida. Hurricane season is not, over yet so you never know when these rainstorms these rain patches are going to come through but um yeah that's one thing that i would uh i would say again not expecting but i am definitely worried about i'm expecting that antonio brown to have a good game i mean i don't know what what you call a good game seven catches for you know 89 yards and a touchdown that's impressive yeah you know Mm -hmm. that's pretty good for me but yeah i mean and quite honest, I expect the Bucs to win. That's the biggest thing. I expect the Bucs to turn it around. I expect them to limit some of their penalties. um, And I expect them to turn it around with drops wise, penalty wise, and I expect them to win.
0: Now I have one final question before I let you go. And it's probably might be the hardest question to answer. Uh And it would be, what would Miami have to do in this game in order to win
1: they need to play mistake-free football. First of all, they need to play discipline. The offensive line needs to just completely turn around their play. Um, you know, they need to rely on Flores to really kind of give them as much information, as much detail, and, and the rest of the guys who played against Tom to say, "Hey, this is what he likes to do." They all need to be dialed in on the same page. Turnovers are going to be huge, and they need to take it take advantage of those turnovers. Um, and just, you know, like I said, utilize Miles Gaskin, utilize Kaseki in key matchups that work in your favor. And, you know, if you can, uh, let's say Jamel Dean does not play, you got to attack Richard Sherman, especially later in the game where he might be gassed, is conditioning the heat, or, or a guy like Pierre Dezier, who again, like you, you got to try to take some deep shots, even if it means going, you know, 12 personnel, 13 personnel. And just having you know two tight ends on the outside or, or two wide or, or something, you got to do something you know you got to do something.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said they have to do something because if you look at the Dolphins' offensive performances, completely nothing for the first three quarters while Jacoby Brissett's been the starter for the team. But then in that fourth quarter, you saw uh, Mike Kosicki have four of his five catches. He was finally involved. Devontae Parker had seventy of his seventy-seven yards. It seems like once it was just out of control they realize that, yeah, some of these receivers that they have and, you know, Mike Kosicki, the tight end, they have talent. You just have to give them an opportunity and really try to stretch the field. I mean-
1: yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised if this game goes the way I think it is. It's going to go. Um, and I, like I said, I think it's mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a slow matchup in the beginning. I don't expect the Bucks to come out firing all cylinders, but it, once they get going and it's starting to pull away and – You know, two was supposed to be back next week, but you're not really sure. Do you really want to risk an injury to Jacoby Brissett later in the fourth quarter? I would not be surprised to see it. Time for a little Reed Sinet action in the fourth quarter. Uh, Actually, encourage it it. last week. I was actually encouraging it. He's uh, he's actually a friend of mine. He was down here in Tampa last year as an undrafted free agent, the first player I've ever interviewed in the NFL, which so which was uh, always awesome. So we stay in contact. Hopefully, we'll be linking up uh, when he comes up here. Uh, uh-huh. depending on protocols and stuff like that. But I, I, you know, I know he's been working his tail off. I know he's, he knows the playbook inside and out. And he's just waiting for his opportunity. And I, I tell you what, I would not be surprised if this game is pulling away in that fourth quarter to say, have them say, you know what, read, get in there. Let's see what you can do.
0: Yeah. To chime in on that. I don't think I've ever seen a, a fan base really gravitate towards and love a third string quarterback the way they have because they're extremely optimistic. Anytime Jacoby Brissett's struggling, you can see it all over Twitter. Everyone just wants him in the game. I think that one preseason game, people really love what they saw from him. So again, I mean, they love this guy. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. I mean... He's a guy who who knows about the waiting game, patiently waiting. You know, he waited four years to finally become a starter. Threw himself – actually threw a touchdown pass to himself. I don't know if you've seen that clip, but he mm. threw a touchdown <laughs> pass to himself. Uh, so, yeah, you know, he's a, he's a guy that, um, you know, I, I'm definitely in his corner. I'm rooting for him. Of course, you know, not to beat the Bucs, but to get some reps and playing time because I know he's ready for it. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I would
1: not be surprised to see him out there.
0: Hey man, if you uh, have any social medias you'd like to plug in here, where people could follow you and check you out for more?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, follow me at J C Allen NFL. That's J-C-A-L-L-E-N-N-F-L NFL on Twitter. Uh, follow us at Pewter Report. Uh, we got all sorts of content coming up before this game. Uh, we just did a preview pod. If you want to check that out, plus I think it's nice to know more about the NFL and and you know football teams in general, especially your opponent. Uh, Pewter Report on on Twitter, pewterreport.com, where you find all of our articles. Um, and then, yeah, just Twitter, at NFL.
0: Well, man, it was a pleasure to have you anytime you need any sort of Dolphin news. You can feel free to reach out. And we can chat it up again. But guys, again, that was JC Allen. Go check him out. He writes for the Pewter Report. And now that you have a good look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, some valuable thoughts in terms of his expectations and keys to victory, we'll take a look here at the Dolphins who, again, are led offensively. Jacoby Brissett. Brissett, of course, had that poor performance last week. He commanded that stagnant offense for the majority of the outing uh, the team didn't really rack up much through three quarters and in that second quarter as mentioned last time they managed seven minus seven minus seven total yards in the entire second quarter just a really bad performance up until the fourth quarter where things kind of turned around a little bit After the game, though, as expected, many people were very quick to point out plays where Brissett appeared to miss open receivers, that one that I kind of alluded to in the recap where he missed Waddle on that big play, but then if you check out Grinding the Tape, Kyle Krabs on Twitter, there's just a handful of other plays, especially where Will Fuller is cutting down the center of the field, and for whatever reason, Jacoby Brissett just did not attempt uh, that pass, though. So if Brissett, again, were to play an entire game the way he did in that fourth quarter, it's possible that the Dolphins' offense could at the very least resemble an actual NFL offense. Because right now, they look like they're just completely lost. It looks like an offense where you have too many people that don't have an identity and are trying to get input in there. So I know personally, I would hope that they play more loosely. I would prefer they go out swinging as opposed to that stagnant offense that we saw last week. Now, as for the running game, it's been under a lot of pressure lately from fans because of the lack of success running the ball. Dolphins offense currently in the bottom five in total rushing yards per game they're also in the bottom six of yards per carry so things have not been looking good there last week we saw more of the same as a team continued to have Malcolm Brown as the team's leading rusher in terms of attempts he had eight carries for 23 yards that's under three yards per carry there is not much to like about what Malcolm Brown has been able to do aside from that big one uh, 20 yard run he had a few weeks ago and the surprising thing here Another week where Miles Gaskin was not only outcarried by Malcolm Brown but also by Savan Ahmed. Many people have been citing Gaskin's issues in pass protection as a reason, but just regardless, it seems foolish to completely relinquish Gaskin's role this significantly. That's just too much. Get him more involved, especially in the passing game where it really seemed that he thrived. I can't see anything that says Miles Gaskin should be rendered to the third running back on this team. I think he needs to be. More more involved here. Uh, overall, still averaging 4.9 yards per carry, which is pretty good, yet he continuously is not given the ball in these running situations. The Dolphins receiver group, as mentioned uh, back when we were talking with J.C. Allen over there, will be without Will Fuller. He sustained a finger injury while a lot of people are saying he was reaching down for a pass from Brissette, a very horrible way to go out. Fuller was placed on IR and he will be missing at least three games. Now, on top of that, also alluded to the uh, concept that Jakeem Grant was traded to the Bears in exchange for a 2023 six-round pick. So, of course, in terms of special teams, this will have a significant impact. You could expect to see maybe Jalen Waddle, who I think is very exciting back there. This could also open the door for Noah Igbenogany to take over that role. Regardless, I don't think this should impact the offense too much as seeing that most people didn't want Jakeem Grant really involved in the offense to begin with. This could also allow for somebody that everyone's been clamoring for, that being Kirk Merritt here, to have an opportunity. Opportunity. As mentioned, Merritt is a freak athlete, and he has shown promise throughout training camps and preseasons. And then, uh, not for this week, of course, but looking forward, Anthony Miller was surprisingly released by the Houston Texans. It's very shocking to me. I would definitely be keeping my eye on that. Now, Devontae Parker last week, terrific performance, or I should say a terrific quarter. He racked up 70 of his 77 yards in that, for, uh, that fourth quarter. Right now, he's averaging 60.5 yards per game which would actually put him on pace for over a thousand yards this season so that's pretty impressive and Parker has shown that despite not being able to create separation he can still make some of these highlight real contested catches because right now his 1.8 yards per separation per target is the third lowest in the entire NFL so he's not getting a lot of separation but that's kind of his thing I mean there's prototypical wide receivers who are the more big guys the more physical guys like the guys like Mike Evans and uh, you know if you think back to Calvin Johnson they don't necessarily necessarily need to have the ability to separate like Stefan Diggs because their thing is that they can catch a, a ball even if a corner is draped all over them and Parker is showing this season that he could still do that now when we look at Jalen Waddle, it's kind of the opposite situation here because Jalen Waddle has created a ton of separation his 4.4 yards of separation per target is actually the third highest in the NFL so whereas you have Parker being the third lowest you have another guy completely opposite end of the spectrum in the third highest with Jalen Waddle. We move on here to the tight end position. Of course, Mike Kosicki is not necessarily having a breakout season yet, but it is coming along. He is slowly starting to pick things up. He started the season zero catches for zero yards the first game. Next game, he had 41 yards. Then after that against the Raiders, uh, you know, again, it was one of those moments where it was kind of garbage time and they were trying to climb back into the game. 10 catches for 86 yards. And then the last game against the Colts, five catches for 57 yards. Again, for the most part, all of those have been in the fourth quarter. So hopefully we can see Gasicki a little bit more involved. The Buccaneers have given up, uh, you know, a good amount of yards, not necessarily the most are kind of in the middle of the pack in terms of yards uh, to tight ends. But overall, you just have to keep in mind with tight ends. You know, if you play fantasy football, you're probably already well aware about how, you know, drastic the drop off is in terms of, you know, the performances and the stats from the elite tight ends to the guys who are just playing solid or average, despite having a C- that I think a lot of people would agree is disappointing so far from Gesicki. He's still in the top 10 in terms of uh, receiving yards by tight ends. So, I mean, he had some bad games. If it's out of his system and he can string it together, he can find his way pushing near that top five spot. That's not too unrealistic at all. It's definitely within reach. Now, of course, the offensive line is kind of the biggest question mark and probably will be throughout the throughout the entire season, especially now you have center Greg Mans just sustained a neck injury at practice. He apparently still participated despite that, but the Dolphins also elected to sign Austin Reeder to the active roster. So there's a chance that he ends up having a role here Another guy to kind of keep your eye on uh, that might be a little bit forgotten here is Robert Jones. But the expectation for right now, Austin Jackson will retain his role as a left tackle for this game. I would not be shocked whatsoever if throughout the course of the game, if he is playing like how he has been playing, that the team either elects to turn to Greg Little, or they even do something bold and like move him to uh, to the guard position and see how that works out. Whatever the case is, there's going to be a lot of moving parts I imagine in this offensive line. It's going to be a very tough matchup again as Alex, Uh, JC Allen mentioned a team that sends a lot of blitzes definitely going to be a spooky one but if there was ever a time for them to turn it around and show us some promise it would be in this game because boy are they going to need the help now as we move on to the defensive side of the ball here this is a, a defensive unit that I think is still by all means the strength of the team it seems kind of a shame because they play well for the beginning of a game but whether it's because they start getting tired whether it's because you know they're worn out and they're on the field and the offense can't sustained drives to get them off the field. Whatever the case is, the defense, by the end of the game, begins to unravel. They start giving up those big chunk plays towards the end. But this is still a unit that I'm definitely confident in. I mean, I look at the defense side of the ball here. One thing that I want to get in check, and I kind of mentioned it the last time, is stopping the run. Because even if a team's pass heavy, uh, you know, the Bucks here are a team that is, you know, last or uh, second to last, I should say, in the entire NFL in terms of rushing attempts. They're a team that prefers to pass the ball. I still think if you give a team the opportunity any single week that say, hey, yeah, you can just run all over us, they're going to take that every single time. I think they would gladly tell Tom Brady, yeah, you can just relax for this game. We're going to ground and pound with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones if the Dolphins allow it. So that's the first, you know, little checkbox that I'm thinking the Dolphins would have to scratch off, that they would need to get that under control and then force the Buccaneers to pass. Now, once you get to that point, it doesn't get much easier, sadly. I mean, I'm wondering how the Dolphins secondary is going to fare. The first thing we have to check for is, uh, okay, Byron Jones was back at practice. He is questionable. He has to play. If he does not play, that's just a ton of responsibility, either falling on Nick Needham, who has some practice at the boundary, but that's going to be extremely difficult. It's going to put a lot of pressure on guys like Noah Igbenogany or maybe Justin Coleman. Uh, The safeties could have to cover some of these very talented receivers and they're pretty young guys themselves so Byron Jones in my eyes has to play it's going to be just extremely extremely important now how these guys are going to line up against certain guys I kind of mentioned it in that talk with JC Allen I think when I look at Byron Jones he's the freak athlete he has that world record when it comes to uh, you know the broad jump or the long jump whatever it was and he has to be on the guy like Mike Evans the guy who can jump out of the gym, he needs to be able to compete with that guy. And I'm confident Mike Evans is almost like Darren Waller to some degree, right? So you put him on him. Whereas a guy like AB to me is a more technically sound guy, a guy who can dice you up with his mechanics. Xavier Howard is the cornerback version of that. I don't think Xavier Howard is athletically, you know, as much of a specimen as Byron Jones is. But when it comes to his technique, when it comes to his skills as a cornerback and, you know, running and shadowing a receiver, I think he could do that. And that would be your best. Best bet now where things get interesting is, well, they have more weapons. It doesn't end just there. Who is on uh, right now when it comes to Chris Godwin, who plays in the slot? Is it gonna be Justin Coleman? Are you gonna say Nick Needham's there? I'm pretty confident in Nick Needham. Justin Coleman hasn't been impressive so far, but that's an area where you know Tom Brady has said in interviews that he'll look at a corner and decide, yeah, I'm gonna pick on this specific guy. So you have two very talented boundary corners. It's, I think it's gonna come down to whoever's in the slot and whether he's playing at a high level that day and whether Tom Brady elects to pick on him or not. And then, of course, you have Rob Gronkowski, who isn't the out of shape Rob Gronkowski, it appears, from last season. It looks like he's back. To playing at a very high level so far he has this season dealing with a little bit of a rib injury I think Eric Rowe should still be able to match up fairly well on him I don't think Rob Gronkowski presents the same challenge as Travis Kelsey does in his prime or a freak like Darren Waller who's just an absolute specimen I think you know Gronkowski as tough as he is as physical as he is I think Rowe should be able to handle that better than those two other players now as for the defensive front you know it's always important when your front's able to get pressure, especially against Tom Brady. This is a hard one. This one's a head scratcher. This is one of those ones where I feel truly bad for defensive coordinators, because what do you do in this situation? Uh, The Dolphins have thrived with that mentality of, okay, we're gonna send blitzes. We're gonna bank on getting these turnovers. I wonder to feel sustainable, but up until this point, they've shown me that they can continuously just get these turnovers at will, but it can't be all positive. So they leave themselves vulnerable to the big play. And when you're going up against a guy like Tom Brady, he isn't necessarily that agile. He's not going to run around and make guys miss, but he's able to view those you know, those pre-snap reads. He's able to find the right guy, look at the matchups, and even when you blitz, it seems like Tom Brady is always able to still capitalize on it. So, this is going to be a difficult situation. I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins come out here very early with their typical mindset, we're going to blitz, you don't know who's coming, and then Tom Brady's just able to recognize it given that he has that experience against that same system. Maybe he's able to recognize it a little bit better, and then the Dolphins start to play back a little bit and a little bit more soft and just kind of bank on the idea that some of their playmakers can make a good play on the ball because I do think Tom Brady... You know, he still leaves some opportunities there to get picks, but when it comes to trying to confuse them, like how they did to Justin Herbert last year and the Dolphins defense was all over and you saw Justin Herbert kind of panicking, I I don't think that would be the case at all with Tom Brady. The guy has too much experience. He knows exactly what's gonna be happening. Uh, I wouldn't expect that same sort of reaction from him. Now, to get into some of my expectations for this game, I think the Dolphins offense is gonna look better than they have in the past few weeks which, of course, isn't necessarily the biggest statement to say. But I think, you know, the players are aware. Jacoby Brissett came out here in the press conference and said not just that they're going to play hard. He said they're going to win. I know he hears all the stuff, all the posts on Twitter. I know he's aware of people thinking that he is playing way too conservative. He saw what he was able to do now back to back games towards the tail end. I think in this upcoming game, I don't think the Dolphins are going to elect to play that kind of scared style of football where they're not going for the field goals, uh, where they're not testing it deep. I think even if it comes at a price where they're making a bad turnover, I think we're going to see them pushing the ball, throwing those passes beyond 15 yards down the field. And like I said, if the Dolphins are going to go out. I would prefer they go out swinging. So one of my expectations here is that off the rip, we see a very different uh, mentality from this Dolphins offense. My next expectation that I have here is that Miles Gaskin is a lot more involved in this game, whether the Dolphins are behind or not, which is, you know, pretty likely given how difficult of a challenge this is. Having Miles Gaskin, I I think, out there as a receiving option, kind of to provide a spark, as JC Allen mentioned earlier, the, the Buccaneers haven't necessarily been the best team when it comes to tackling and getting guys on the ground. They allow a ton of yards after the catch. And if you're able to just connect on those underneath routes when they give you the opportunity and then you're able to pick up more, I think that's gonna be basically a necessity in this game. So to kind of segue that into my keys to the victory, Frankly, the first one here is gonna be very similar to how I alluded to that Miracle in Miami game. This is gonna be a very tough one. This might look like one of those games where it's just too obvious. Like there's always that one shocking game. There's just a complete mind-blowing upset. Maybe this could be that. I think it would require some sort of miracle because the offensive line isn't playing well. You have a backup quarterback who isn't playing well. You don't necessarily have a ton of receivers anymore. And frankly, I just think a lot of things would have to go right here, which would lead to my next key to the victory after it being a miracle, that you're gonna have to have some absolutely magnificent plays on both sides of the ball. I mean, you're gonna have to have big connections, either Jalen Waddle or have Miles Gaskin break off a big run like how he did against the Raiders, last year something like that's gonna have to happen offensively just to hang in there and then defensively the turnovers won't just have to be good but they'll have to be ones that get you in good territory puts the offense in a decent position or of course I don't think anybody would be mad if the defense is able to capitalize with six points the special teams get you a punt return something of that nature is gonna have to happen you're gonna have to have some absurd just game breaking touchdowns offensively or the defense is gonna have to leave a serious mark in this one. But I will say on the bright side for that, if something crazy like that does happen, The amount of hype will be absurd because the Dolphins will have to completely turn around or the Buccaneers would have to play just absolutely abysmal. And I don't think the Buccaneers are gonna come out here and look just terrible or look completely flat. So I think if the Dolphins are gonna wanna win, that means they're gonna have to rise to the occasion. If they're able to pull it off, hype and optimism should return to this team. And I think everyone would be happy with that because lately it's been dwindling at a very, very fast rate. So, guys, that is how I'm gonna wrap up today's episode. As always, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at Shady Steven. If you like to follow the podcast account on Twitter, that is at ViaTheSource. If you like to leave a review on the Apple Podcast app, you know I would greatly appreciate it. Any topics, things you'd like for me to discuss in a future episode, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. We'll gladly discuss it in the next episode. But guys, that is how I'm gonna wrap it up. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso, and this was via the Source.